It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to Food for Thought with Billy and Jenny, brought to you by the Box Center. For more than 15 years, this dining duo has been eating their way through New England, mixing it up with top chefs, jumping behind the line of the hottest restaurants, and giving you the inside scoop on where to wine, dine, and spend your time. So get ready. It's Food for Thought, giving you something to chew on. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center. I'm Jenny Johnson, and excited to be here. I can't believe the holidays are upon us. Um, It seems wild and impossible and yet exciting in some ways uh, because hopefully people are going to be celebrating uh, in many ways. We hope that you're celebrating by visiting your favorite restaurants out there uh, many times, um, but certainly many, many different evenings over the course of the next couple of months. Uh, it's been a it's been a wild couple of years for the hospitality industry, as we've talked about many a time on this show, uh, and want to be able to uh, support them in whatever way we can. We'll talk more about that um, later on in the show, as well as uh, what is an unprecedented labor shortage and and sort of what that means and how you can be helpful to support because tis the season to be giving and tis the season to be supporting, and that's um, one of the things that we hope we can certainly hammer home to all our listeners today. But uh, I'm very excited uh, for this guest, um, this next guest for the show this week. Chris Campbell is uh, a very celebrated restaurateur in our Boston area. Um, for many years, he'll give us the specifics, but for many years he had tro- Troquet right uh, right in the back bay. And now he has Troquet on South, um, which is also in Boston and equally as delicious. And he's, you know, he's certainly a hugely respected, award-winning restaurateur and also award-winning sommelier, which is a very, uh, I would say, like, not a typical combination. You don't typically see that, um, uh, you know, both as, as, as a restaurateur and as a sommelier. So, Chris Campbell, it's such a pleasure to have you here. How you doing, buddy? It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, we always love having you on. You always have good good suggestions as as we're heading into the holiday. Delicious suggestions. Uh, so let's let's first talk about uh, Trocay on South because I know you have some exciting things that are coming up that we're going to certainly um, talk about later on in the show. But first, for folks who haven't been to Trocay on South, or for folks who you know drove by the old Trocay location and said, "Oh no, where to go?" You know, good to know that you're you're still there and, and cooking your delicious food. So so tell us a little bit about Trocay on South. Yeah, well, we were on Boylston Street for 16 years. Our lease was up. Uh, we decided to move into a bigger space, uh, five blocks uh, towards the water. Uh, we're actually a block from South Station, uh, 107 South Street. And we opened here a little over four years ago in this location. And things have been going great. It's a little different um, atmosphere. It's, uh, we have a, uh, a little bit of a bar scene after work. We have... Um, a lunch. We were never open for lunch at the old location, but now we're open for lunch Tuesday through Friday, and uh, a, a great dinner service with our. Uh, we're specializing in French cuisine, um, with uh, emphasis on wine. 
Oh, certainly a great emphasis on wine. I remember being with you, I think, for Valentine's Day um, this past year. And, you know, it's, it's, it's otherworldly experience when you talk about your wine list and your wine education. Um, but before we talk more about the wine, tell us a little bit about the menu, both for lunch uh, and for dinner. Well, for lunch and for the bar portions of the uh, restaurant, we have a more casual uh, menu, more, you know, a burger, a hot dog, a Boston Speed Dog, which we uh, recreated. And then we also have, uh, you know, Turkey Club and more of a, a lunch and bar type of uh, food. And then in the dining room, we have more refined French cuisine. Uh, we're noted for our, our roast duck. And uh, we have a nice lamb, rack of lamb now on the on the menu, and seared sea scallops. So uh, quite a diversity, but all, you know, leaning towards uh, wine-friendly food. Talk a little bit about your training, um, your you know, your French training and why that's sort of a focus in the dining room menu. Well... I grew up in the restaurant business back in the Detroit area. My parents owned a restaurant. Before that, they were in the catering business. So from the age of eight or nine years old, I've always been in the uh, restaurant business. Uh, My parents sold that restaurant in Detroit in the uh, 80s, 87, I believe, and moved to Cape Cod. And uh, thinking they were going to retire... They got bored of retirement and decided to open another restaurant down there, and they asked me to move out from Michigan to help them with the restaurant. My now wife was in college, so I said, oh, I've got a couple of years, I can do that. So went out and helped them and fell in love with the area and decided to move out here permanently with my wife. It's amazing, and, and the rest is sort of history. Many, many, many years of, of operating, right. I think you said 16 on Boylston, on Boylston Street. And we were 10 years before that on Commonwealth Avenue, a restaurant called Uva, U-V-A, Uva. Oh, yes, uh, of course. And you know, what, you know what's funny is you don't look like you're old enough to have spent, to have clocked that many years. So, so you're, you're, doing, you're been, doing something uh, right, Seth. It'll be 30 years in February, so. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Well, that's the reason to come in and celebrate you. 30 years in this industry is not is not one you hear very often. So, um, all right. So, so those that was great description of some of the things on the menu at Choke on South. Um, quickly, can you tell me about how you like your philosophy of pairing uh, wines with the dishes? Well, I think it's 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 more difficult as the season changes. I mean, some vegetables are are, are okay to go with wine. Some are not. Some some we really stay away from the more acidic vegetables and things of that sort. What you don't want to do is someone to have a nice meal and then have a really great bottle of wine and, and they don't, they don't mingle very well. So we always, uh, it's not, it's not so much that everything, you know, white wine with seafood or red wine with meat. We can, we can uh, make almost anything work as long as the sauce is right and the vegetables right and the, and the, and the setting is right. So. Yeah, it's a very personalized experience, and I think that's what's great not only about your menu but about your philosophy and about the service that you offer at Trocay on South is, you know, you don't have to feel pigeonholed into a particular place or a particular wine, and you'll help from an educational standpoint as to, you know, help the customer what to pick. So we're going to take a quick break. 
We're going to talk about some of the cool things you're adding to your already busy schedule when we come back. We have more Food for Thought, so stick with us. You're listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. Welcome back to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center. Uh, We're excited to be in the holiday season where we get to support our local chefs and restaurateurs. One of our old pals, great buddies, Chef Chris Campbell, owner of Troquet on South, is joining us on the phone right now. So we were talking a little bit about wine. Let's stick in the wine realm for a little bit. How often are you changing your menu, and are there certain wines on the menu that your regular customers would say, you cannot get rid of this one? Well, there's uh, there's the food menu and the wine menu. The food menu almost changes uh, every few days with what's seasonal and what's available and what's the freshest. Uh, the wine menu, we try to change once a week just because a lot of the wines on the wine list, there's over a thousand labels on the wine list. So a lot of the wines on the wine list are small production, very rare wines that I may only receive three, four or five bottles of them. So when they're gone, they're gone. So we have to, we, uh, one of my pet peeves is going into a restaurant and ordering a bottle of wine and they tell you that it's out of stock. I don't like that. So we do change the line list. <laughs> so tell us about some of your, I mean, that's, that is, that's like what is the, at the core of what you do so well is, you know, we hear a lot about this theme of food, uh, of, of farm to table and of like curated culinary experiences. And, you know, something we take for granted is that oftentimes you're seeing a menu that's the same month in, month out, you know, even season in, season out, or a wine list that's same season in, season out, and that's really the opposite of what you're doing. Right. And, and quite frankly, what makes that hard is that there's a lot of extra work that goes into that sort of preparation. So I also imagine there's something pretty cool about the fact that you're so uh, tapped in uh, to this this space and sort of why your wine list is so award-winning. Like, how does it happen? Like, what are the conversations? Like, who are you having conversations with? Is it the wine distributors? Is it the actual owners of the wineries? And, and, and how much interaction takes place over the course of, you know, of course of a year with you now that you've been doing this for 30 years? Oh, it's, it's daily. I mean, daily I'm in contact with my wine salespeople and my staff. I'm just trying to find out what's new, what's exciting, what's what's coming in new i mean right now we're running into a huge problem with champagne a shortage on champagne and we're just trying to keep on top of that we're allocated only a few cases per week when we normally would go through three or four cases a week so we have to be on top of that we have to we have to change gears all the time when it comes to champagne and i feel it's just going to get worse coming into the holidays so I'm trying to stockpile yeah, them right now. <laughs> and that's been, that's been something I've been hearing a lot about. So talk to people who don't understand. Um, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, I, I have a, 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 a person who spends, let's say, a fair amount of money on champagne saying there'd be no dom for the holidays. And I said, oh, really? Well, isn't that sound like a giant problem? But but talk about talk about like really what is what is happening with champagne? I, I'm, I, you can't really get a straight answer. Some people say, you know, it's the, the supply chain. Some people say that they just didn't make as much. Some people said that it's a short season. Um, so you can't really uh, get a handle on what really is happening. But it might just be a, a pent-up supply where people want want to celebrate more now that the pandemic is coming to an end. So they're buying more champagne. 
I'm mean, she's the most oh, logical reason. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that makes the most sense because people have been making champagne for quite some time. I don't see any kind of drastic difference that would have that would have happened. But supply chain is certainly something to talk about, and we will actually talk about that in a few minutes. But um, all right, so going into the holidays, as as such a wine expert, I mean, certainly we're suggesting people come to Trocaine South. Um, you know, to come enjoy what is such a beautifully curated list. But but for folks who are looking to do something a little different with wine this holiday season or bring good hostess gifts, like what what is your philosophy and how do you help folks make decisions about what wine to choose? Well, we we actually, about two weeks ago, we went to a, a, what we call a market list. And some people we put down the wine list and it's, you know, some 50 pages long and it's kind of daunting and people get intimidated by it and they uh, don't even want to open it. So we came up with a, a two page list, which are more affordable wines, wines that are under a hundred dollars a bottle and some of my favorite wines on the list. So for everyday drinking, especially. So we, we came up with that over the last couple of weeks just because we noticed people becoming a little more intimidated by such a large list. I think that's great. And I do think, you know, the intimidation factor in some ways has gone down, I think, since, you know, even since the beer world has expanded so much, the liquor world has expanded so much, like people are used to having so many um, thoughts and choices. But I think to, on the same token, when you're given too many choices, it's hard to make a decision. Well, that's so, and it's yeah. also nice. I know when I yeah. when I go out to dinner with my wife, she gets very angry with me when I spend more than two minutes on the wine list. So, <laughs> so it's it's <laughs> nice to be able to pick something very quickly. Yeah, and it's it's also nice to know that you're spending the time picking something uh, based on your likes and needs. And so, let's say there people are looking at this wine list. Is it the kind of thing where they can go out and find these wines in liquor stores, or are they that oh, absolutely. intricate? Absolutely. That it's I mean, okay. the things on the market list, yes. Uh, some of the more the rarer wines on the full list can be very difficult to find in the open market. So at this point. And at this point, after 30 years, like you mentioned, you're changing the um, you're changing the menu so frequently. You know, at, at 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 what point, as you're creating a delicious dish, are you saying, "I know what this is going to pair with"? Does it happen immediately? Does it do you sometimes go to the wine first and then craft your dish? What's your process? Well, I, I think it's uh, it's the dish first, and then we can find the right wine for the dish. That, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's makes the, sense. Important. The more, more, well, we have more it, leeway with the, the wine than we do with food, especially with the, the seasonal yeah. aspect of, of food these days. Yeah, it's very true. Well, so hopefully we've given you plenty of reasons to enjoy Troquet and South at least a couple times over the course of the holiday season. It is a truly spectacular dining experience. I want to shift gears a little bit because beginning um, very recently um, and going through the spring, the Cafe at Rochambeau, which is a restaurant on Boylston Street owned by Patrick Lyons, Lyons the Lyons Group, uh, a great new multi-story um, space right there, right next to the entrance of the Pru, um, is now going to be the Cafe at Rochambeau that you're going to be participating in a pop-up series. Is that right? Correct. We're so doing tell me that, a little bit uh, more about December that. 3rd. December 3rd, the front part of Rochambeau, uh, we're going to be doing 
uh, breakfast service or a snack service from 7 a.m. till 9.30. It's kind of out of our wheelhouse. We're not open for breakfast, but we thought we'd give it a try, and it sounded fun. And uh, we we really like the restaurant Rochambeau, so we wanted to help out. I love this idea. I mean, it's nice to also be able to collaborate with other chefs and restaurateurs. So basically, the, the Rochambeau Bakery pop-up series is going to feature a bunch of different chefs between now and April, a lot of, a lot of folks that I'm sure you know um, in the industry. And it's also nice to sort of, I imagine use your culinary brain in a different way to be able to be thinking breakfast. You've not thought breakfast for your past 30 years as a restaurateur. No, we have not. And I've kind of picked uh, our chef's brain, Cameron, our chef's brain, and my wife's brain, and we came up with a a short menu that kind of goes back uh, to my Detroit days and uh, something fun that I think people would like. All right, so give us some. Like, give us, like, a little bit of a sneak peek of something that we might expect during your pop-up. Right. Uh, Well, we're doing uh, mini individual quiches, the egg with pancetta and gruyere cheese. So those will be an individual quiche, warmed quiche, and uh, we'll be able to serve those. Those are nice. It goes back to my days working in the restaurant business for my mother, who was open for lunch at her restaurant back in Detroit, and she used to serve these, so. So it should be uh, oh, that's, very, very good. Oh, that's so nice. Pay homage pay homage to the, the original culinary influence uh, in your life. You that's go. really awesome. So, so, um, so it'll and be great we're to gonna be, be doing, there. Yeah. We're going to be doing some Detroit-style bagels as well. They're the boiled okay. bagels and boiled and baked bagels. So we'll do three different okay. varieties of the bagels. Well, thank you for the explanation because I didn't quite know what that meant. So so now I do. I'm sure they, they taste delicious. So that'll be great. And it's a beautiful space right there. I'm certainly in the heart of uh, of the Back Bay and, and a nice time to be able to, um, I mean, certainly this is a place to go to, to shop um, for sure during this time of year. So um, a nice way to also be able to make sure that you're nourished prior to a big day of shopping. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, Chris. Um, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about what's going on in the industry in general for people to pay attention with. We've got more Food for Thought coming up. You're listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. Chef Chris Campbell, celebrated chef of Tropez on South, is our guest. Before we let you go... I've been asking a lot of the chefs that we've been having on both our television show and our radio to talk about what has been an unprecedented labor shortage um, this year. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and, and, and how you're faring and, and, and how you're helping people understand what's going on. Yeah, it's been uh, very, very difficult. It was always difficult in Boston to find really good help, but it's getting more difficult now. We're fortunate that we stayed open through most of the pandemic, so we, we kept most of our staff. So we're we're one of the fortunate ones in that aspect. But you know, wages have gone up. We're we're paying right now probably thirty percent more in wages than we were two years ago. Um, I think a lot of the staff that didn't come back uh, took the time during the pandemic maybe to retrain themselves and look in different directions and 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 start a new career. So I think we lost some people that way as well. I'm just, we're kind of just asking, I think myself and most of the restaurateurs, just asking the customers to be a little more patient. And uh, most importantly, I think, is to be on time for the reservation. I mean, that's the, that's the pet peeve right now is that, you know, you, you can't serve 100 people at 730 on Saturday night. 
and that's what we're running into is everybody wants to eat at the same time, but the kitchen staff, the wait staff, the management staff can't handle that, all the people at the one time. So we have to spread it out, and that's why we do take reservations, and that's why we, we're, we're hopeful that people will be on time. Yeah, that that re- that reservation piece is a great piece of advice. I mean, I think, um, and and, and just and, and should have been always the rule, but most certainly the rule right now. And one of the things that we always say is, restaurateurs, chefs, you know, people in this business get in this business to help you, the patron, create lasting, incredible memories. And in some ways, right now, we are we're needing to support this industry in a way that we haven't before. You're right in saying, Chris, it wasn't easy peasy before the pandemic, but things have certainly shifted. And it's not only shifting from people working in the restaurants, it's people shifting working in the supply section of things. And, you know, it's a really complicated issue. That being said, I know you and so many of the other chefs that you're friendly with are are still doing the job of, of, of creating really wonderful, true, try, tried and true, memorable experiences. So, yeah, we ask for a little extra patience. We ask maybe you make a reservation a little bit earlier or, you know, have a 530 reservation, something like that. Why not? Uh, anyway, Chris Campbell yeah. of Trocan Cells, thank you so much for joining us this week. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, we got more Food for Thought coming up in just a minute. You're listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. And we're back with more Food for Thought, brought to you by the wonderful Box Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Enter. Uh, definitely make sure to check out their schedule this holiday season and beyond. So nice to be able to have the arts back uh, in our lives. And certainly our the one that we suggest and the one that we choose is uh, definitely the box center. So our next guest is going to be with us for the next few breaks is uh, Chef Justin Urso, a very talented guy who has worked with some unbelievable names over the course of his career. He is a New England person, so it's really great to be able to connect with the, you know someone who has those New England roots. Uh, and right now he's overseeing the menus and, and the execution at both The Dial and Blue Owl, which we'll be talking more about. But first, let's meet Justin. So, Justin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Jenny. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thrilled to have you on. So I want to give people a little bit about your background. Um, and I know some of your roots come from Vermont, so not exactly Boston, but uh, certainly a place where you can appreciate, you know, how food grows from the earth and, um, and, and, and a farm that I think you grew up on. So certainly you can appreciate so much there, which I imagine helped inspire you to become a chef. But, but tell us a little bit about your background and some of the amazing folks that you've worked with. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually um, born and raised in Connecticut, um, but my grandparents owned a small livestock farm um, in northern Vermont. So I used to go up there uh, on school breaks and for a lot of the the summer and help out on the farm. Um, It was kind of my first uh, experience of seeing, you know, where food came from, uh, how it was grown, 
um, you know, the entire process of, you know, farm to table was something, wasn't something that I, I learned or found out being trendy later on in life. That was just something that I, I grew up with. My grandparents used to go to their next door neighbors for um, eggs and they would go to another neighbor um, for when they needed pork. Uh, they would go to another neighbor when they were growing um, some other vegetables. So it was just kind of that, that farm to table movement um, was something I just had a, a, an experience and um, upbringing with very early in life. Um, that's probably what made me decide to go into uh, cooking. Um, it was just kind of a natural progression for me from there. It's actually so much fun uh, to hear when uh, folks talk about sort of that trend farm to table because while it most certainly became one, became a tagline, became a, you know, it, it, it was the essence of, of, of the culinary experience for as long as, as we've known it. You know, it was, we go to the, to the farm, we go to the market, we see what is there, and then we craft what we're eating that night. And I think there was a, certainly a big chunk of time where that got lost. Um, but it's 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 such a nice um, it's such a nice thing to to sort of remember that that's why so many of you have have gotten into this business and are able to sort of I guess bring back what we're calling a trend, but really is bring back what was the original reason to, 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 to congregate together and to celebrate around food that's local, where you have the relationship with the folks and the farms and, and all of that. So anyway, it's a great distinction. So you've been at some unbelievable spots, worked with some incredible chefs, um, Frank McCollin at Les Valier and Sal de la Terre back in the day. Um, I know uh, you spent also spent some time in New York, but spent some time at Chatham Bars Inn down there in um, in Cape Cod. But now you are at Blue Owl and the Dial. So tell us a little bit about those two spaces. Absolutely. Um, so first off, I'll start with the Dial. Um, the di- both restaurants are located in the the same building at um, at 907 Main Street in Cambridge. Um, the dial is on the ground floor, and what we serve there is an eclectic mix of global small plates, um, and then we do have a few small entrees as well. Um, we try to, at the dial, we try to kind of uh, riff off of some comfort food um, that some, some uh, dishes may be well-known to, to people. Um, some other dishes um, may be new and foreign um, to some guests. Um, but if you're from the country that we're taking inspiration from, um, hopefully you'll recognize that dish and um, notice it as comfort food um, for you. So a, a couple of examples of some stuff on our menu um, from Mexico. We have a wonderful swordfish dish uh, called swordfish Veracruz, um, which is a grilled piece of swordfish with underneath is uh, a stewed tomato sauce. Um, that has got some capers, jalapenos, and then it's um, topped with a, a jicama slaw on top of that. Um, oh, God, that sounds at, unbelievable. Yeah give, yeah, give us another example. Oh, perfect. So another thing that we have on the menu um, that may be something that somebody may not be that um, familiar with uh, is a dish from India. Um, they're called vada pav, um, and they're a little potato uh, croquette, if you will, uh, that's fried and then served on a brioche bun. So they're a fantastic, um, delicious uh, vegetarian slider option. And then we serve that with a little bit of cilantro chutney uh, and a tamarind jam. Oh, 
God, that sounds so delicious. And it seems like one of the really great things is you're able to explore so many different flavors uh, and, and you're not getting pigeonholed into a particular place. So when somebody's coming to visit you, they don't necessarily know what they're going to get, but they know that it's going to be well thought out. So that's really great. So we're going to take a quick break. We come back, want to talk a little bit more about the menu, a little bit more about when people can find Blue Owl in the dial, where they can find it, and talk about the cost sale program because I know that's another big one. We're going to take a break with Food for Thought. Be back with Chef Justin Urso in just a minute. You're listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. Welcome back to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center. Uh, Justin Urso is our guest, really talented chef who's been really in a lot of different places. Graduate of the um, Culinary Institute of America, worked with, um, I don't know, arguably one of the greatest in New England, Frank McClellan, um, formerly from uh, La Salle and Celle de la Terre. Um, and so now he's operating Blue Owl and The Dial, which are two different venues. Um, and tell me a little bit about wh- where specifically are you located? Uh, so we're located at 907 Main Street in Cambridge. We're right on the corner of Main Street and Mass Ave, um, right down the street from MIT. And what's cool about the area is you also have some guest rooms that are available for guests. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So uh, uh, in between uh, the dial, which is on the ground floor, and Blue Owl that's on the rooftop, um, we have eight, about 60 uh, guest rooms. Um, they are operated by a company called uh, Sonder, uh, but they're fa- fantastic, beautiful rooms um, that you can stay at. Uh, and you can book on uh, Sonder.com. Awesome. All right, let's go back to the menu. You gave us a little bit of a sneak peek of some of the things that people want to suggest, but contrast the um, the menus for me at the Dial versus the Blue Owl. Um, so the Dial, you can get small plates as well as uh, a couple of different entrees. Um more traditional um, dinner at, at the dial, whereas Blue Owl, um, it's more about uh, bar bites. And uh, the concept for the for Blue Owl is based off of uh, global street food. So if you were to stumble out of a bar at 2 o'clock in the morning anywhere in the world and belly up next to a, a street cart vendor, what would you be ordering? Um, so that's kind of where we've taken our inspiration for for Blue Owl. So up there we've got um, we've got a hot dog from Brazil. It's called a podrajo. It's loaded with uh, ketchup, mustard, um, a little bit of mayo, a corn relish, bacon, and what's cool that they do uh, in Brazil is they actually uh, top it with fried potato sticks. So you get that little bit of crunch on there as well. Oh my god! And I love the just like the mental picture of, 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 of leaving a bar and, and what am I going to eat? And that's, that must be a lot of fun to prepare. So talk a little bit about your process at, when you're thinking of looking at evolving a menu. Um, what, what does it look like for you? Cause I know it looks like something different for every chef. Absolutely. So um, taking on this, uh, both of these projects was something that was a little different for me and a little uh, out of my comfort zone uh, as much as I've loved um, throughout my career to eat um, food from all of the cuisines that I'm now cooking. Um, I Very rarely did I get an opportunity to cook those uh, cuisines professionally. Um, my background was more in American farm-to-table, Mediterranean, and uh, contemporary Italian cuisines. Uh, so this was definitely something new for me. I really, really embraced uh, the challenge um, and took some time to really do some research 
And I think it's really paid off for us uh, here at both the, the dial and dual. So where we start um, when we go to do a menu change, uh, first we identify um, some countries that we want to uh, highlight on, on our menus. Um, from there, we go to three or four different dishes from each country. Um, and from that point, we see which of those three dishes fit our needs uh, the best on our menu. So say, you know, we come up with a curry um, and we go, all right, so a curry from Vietnam. All right, so that would be fantastic for our entrees. Um, but now we need something for a noodle dish. Um, let's go to possibly to, to China for that. Um, so we end- Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Get up with, you know, uh, another one of our dishes uh, that sells really, really well is our Dan Dan noodles, which are a spicy uh, Szechuan uh, dish that has some um, ground pork, lots of ginger, uh, garlic scallion, and a ton of Szechuan chilies. So interesting. So what was something that, I mean, as you sort of described, this was a little bit stepping out of your comfort zone. What was an area in the world that you were really surprised you loved and, and that gave you a lot of flexibility in menu development? Um, so one of my favorite areas um, in, in the world that I've always um, always enjoyed eating the cuisine but never really cooked professionally uh, was the, the Caribbean. Um, and I, I had always eaten a lot of Caribbean cuisine, uh, especially when I lived in New York. I lived in a Caribbean neighborhood. Um, fantastic food, but I, didn't, I never had the opportunity to cook um, professionally um, in, in, using any of those flavor profiles. And the more that I started to, to dive into um, the cuisine a little bit, do a little bit more research on it, um, the, you name it, they, they cook it in, in, the, in the Caribbean. Um, they use all sorts of different spices and influences um, from anywhere from India, uh, Asia, um, obviously from the Americas as well. So it's kind of, it's a real melting pot of, of cuisines in the Caribbean. And it was, uh, there's a lot of interesting stories there. I love that. And I'm sure and I think the nice part about what you're doing is it is impossible for things to get old. I mean, I think we so often get stuck in our own, um, you know, in, in our own patterns of things that we're eating or things that we're enjoying and um, and don't sort of reach far beyond. And that's what you're helping us do, certainly, which is exciting. So let's talk about the bar program. We haven't gotten too much into that. I know it's a pretty awesome one. Absolutely. So we try uh, with our bar program, we have a fantastic uh, bar manager. Uh, her name's uh, Molly Rowland. Um, she was with me at Catalyst as well, uh, just down the road from us. Um, fantastic bar manager. Um, she heads up our entire cocktail program for both uh, the dial and for Blue Owl. Um, when she's writing her menus, um, she tries to um, riff off of that global concept as well. Um, so we've got a number of different uh, drinks from different uh, different drinks that are inspired from different uh, countries around the world. Um, upstairs in Blue Owl, we've got a drink called uh, For British Eyes Only, which is her take on a Pimm's Cup. Um, we've got um, our other signature drink upstairs is called the, the Pale Blue Owls. 
um, which is a um, uses a um, liquor called uh, Mestija from uh, Greece, which is something um, that is not very well known. It's got a little bit of a piney flavor to it. Um, and when we serve that um, with some vermouth, cardamom bitters, uh, rose water, and lemon, fantastic, uh, refreshing drink. And it is uh, served in a, uh, which is kind of cool, a blue owl glass, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. My gosh, I love that. That sounds so delicious and the perfect pairing. As a pregnant lady who's not having that cocktail right now, I very much look forward to having it the second I can. Um, so, so talk a Jenny, little bit about... We have plenty of mocktails, too, if, if you stop by anytime soon. Oh, good point. Good, good point. There's plenty of people that don't want the don't want the alcohol, too. So I think that's a good thing to point out, and I'm sure they're incredible, a little bit more creative than, than some places get, for sure. So um, let's talk a little bit about the holidays, um, because it's a busy time, uh, and hopefully people are going to be celebrating with friends in a way that they haven't in the past few years, and hopefully they choose... Um, to do so either at the Dell or, or, or Blue Owl. So um, you are going to be open for Christmas Eve, is that right? That's correct. Okay. And so, uh, and so what, like, have you, have you started thinking about what you're doing for that? Uh, so we'll have uh, a number of different specials that we'll run um, for Christmas Eve. The, the menu isn't finalized yet, but I, uh, I guarantee you the, there'll be uh, at least four or five menu additions as well as our, our uh, a la carte offerings as well. Amazing. Well, um, this, if this hasn't given you plenty of reason to know that this is exactly the next spot you want to put on your menu. I don't know what else I can, what else I can do for you because uh, the, the, the flavor profile you're describing is something that's pretty awesome. So tell me a little bit about some of your favorite restaurants. We like to ask chefs this because, you know, I know you probably don't get out a lot, but who are some of your friends in the industry, and who are some of the um, uh, other spots that you like to that you like to support? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. All right, um, I love uh, <laughs> uh, I love uh, SRV in, in the South End. Um, Mike does a fantastic job there. Um, a restaurant yes, that I've been, yeah. A restaurant that I need to check out um, that a friend of mine just opened that I actually worked for in New York um, is Bar Enza in the uh, the Charles Hotel. Um, Mark yes. uh, Ladner is yeah, Mark Ladner's the, the chef there, and I worked for him. Um, I worked underneath him at Del Posto in, in New York City, so that's definitely another spot that I need to go check out uh, really soon. Well, I uh, can tell you that you're going to thoroughly enjoy Bar Enza. Um, I just Billy and I were actually just there with the show, and um, it's he's doing a good job and that's another great chef that you've been able to work with. Um, and I think that sort of has probably shaped the, your creative ability to really, um, I don't know, to, you're, you're doing things definitely a little bit different and the city needs that. We need to push the envelope just a little bit more than we, than we typically do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of the industry as we've been doing so and trying to do so. Um, on most shows this week. So we'll be back with Justin Urso in just a second. You're listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. we got more Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center. Uh, doing our best these weeks to sort of showcase a myriad of different spots that we can go as patrons to support folks uh, during this holiday season. So it is, like I mentioned earlier in the show, been a very challenging time for hospitality in general. A lot of things have shifted. A lot of um, folks as it relates to the workforce has changed since the pandemic. And 
it never was an easy industry. I mean, it's an industry that Billy and I have loved promoting for all of these years, but we always say it is one of the hardest, um, hardest working, made up of one of the hardest working groups of people. And so, Chef, you know, I want to talk a little bit about how you feel like the state of things are. I know that there's really an unprecedented labor shortage, which has a trickle effect on all aspects of your business. Yes, absolutely. Um, we are certainly feeling the, the labor shortage um, in the, not just uh, kitchens, but the hospitality industry a, as a whole. Um, we've, um, we're doing our best. Um, you've definitely seen throughout the, uh, throughout the industry wages increase, which don't get me wrong, is, is a good thing. Um, but at, at a certain point it gets to, um, a point where, you know, businesses are struggling to be profitable, um, and still pay the, the wages that are the going rate. Um, so what it's done is it's forced uh, restaurants to be creative as to, you know, how they're going to pay their staff um, to get them up to, um, in certain cases, you know, well above the, the living wage. Um, one way that a lot of restaurants have chosen to do this is to add a small um, admin, free, admin fee or a kitchen appreciation fee um, to their checks so that they can um, pay their back of the house um, uh, equitable wages. That's something that we looked into and um, implemented at both the Dial and Blue Owl um, about three months ago. Um, it's been had a fantastic effect on our business. Um, it has certainly helped um, get us uh, more money in our employees' uh, pockets, get them paid uh, their due wages. Um, so that's definitely one way to kind of deal with the, the labor shortage and to um, retain employees is to, to pay them more money. Uh, but at the same time, we have to make sure that we're keeping the businesses profitable so that we can still be around to employ everybody. Um, another thing yeah, that we've tried to do. Go ahead, Jenny. No, you, no, keep going. I want to know another thing. The other thing that we do is, you know, we try and make sure, and we always have um, for a very long time, the uh, hospitality industry, although we are very hospitable to our guests, um, sometimes as an, as an industry, that focus was so um, we were so focused on the guest experience that sometimes we forgot about our employee um, experience and their day-to-day, -day, you know, um, operations when they, when they come to work and what their feelings were like um, and what their experience was on a daily basis uh, working for everyone. Um, not that anybody was intentionally trying to do anything negative, um, but we've really tried to shift that focus um, to our employees as well so that they have a wonderful time when they're coming to work. And at the end of the day, happy employees make a happier business, um, which brings makes happier guests. So that's that's another point of emphasis that we've really uh, tried oh, to hammer home with, with our managers and with our staff. Oh, Justin, that really gave such a great full description of sort of where things are and of what the opportunities are. And and to be able to say thank you for those who are working in a time where it's a little bit more intense. And so like we ask almost every single week on this program, these chefs, restaurateurs, people in the hospitality industry go into this business to support you, to help you create memorable experiences. And so the least we can do is show extra support, extra patience, and, and sort of that extra love that you just heard come out of Justin's mouth about the business that he's so passionate about. So. I say 100% check out the dial in Blue Owl for certain this holiday season. Make sure you say hi to Chef Justin. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Thank you, Jenny. Appreciate it. All right, and we will be back next week with more Food for Thought, brought to you by the Box Center. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.